This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. Of all the new initiatives introduced in recent years by Racing New South Wales, none have been more widely acclaimed than the weekly Tab Highway races. Introduced four years ago, the Tab Highways have proven to be a tremendous stimulus for country racing stables as new owners constantly look for the right horses to bring to town. At first, Trainers like Matt Dunn, Danny Williams and Terry Robinson dominated the highways, but nowadays the results prove that many and varied stables have learned to identify the kind of horse they need to travel down the highway. $75,000 in prize money and an assortment of race distances are making these races highly competitive and stimulating healthy betting trends. The Tab Highways are a big part of the new world of Sydney racing. Now to your love of horse racing. Was a trainer called Ken Lantry involved in your early development in the sport? Yes, at a high level, uh, when I really got, we'll call it, yes, in the business, but serious towards the business, was with Kenny Lantry out of Newcastle, correct? Still around Kenny, lovely man. Saw him a couple of years ago, the Grafton Cup or the uh, Coffs Harbour Cup. I said, gee, Kenny, how you going? He said, all right, I've got a few horses. I said, I'll get you a horse. He said, I don't want a horse. I said, beg your pardon? He said, I don't want a horse. I don't want any more horses. I said, you're the only trainer I've ever spoken to that yeah. doesn't want a horse. <laughs> That's right. I, I, was a, I was affronted. I thought, well, I've done something wrong, mate. No. No, he was <laughs> just Lantry. wanting to wind down. But Max, That's a very right. astute trainer. A small yeah. team trainer, but when Ken thought one could win, if they yeah. didn't win, they went awfully close. Yeah, that's it. Well, fortune smiled upon you when you decided to buy a share in a Zabil cult out of Savannah's success. He later became Savabil. How the hell did you happen upon this heaven-sent opportunity? Oh, goodness gracious me. It's a, it's a big, big, big turning point in my racing history. Uh, uh, Graham Rogerson trained. Graham Rogerson was operating out of Australia. Had, ha, hadn't been in Australia that long. Great mate of mine, now past, Noel Brax, a prominent Sydney lawyer, ex-committeeman, vice-chairman of the AJC, said, I'll meet this Kiwi mate of mine. That was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but that's another story. <laughs> Running the DA Rogerson, there's been plenty of Lady Donny Brooks over the years, but that's another story as well. Mm. But so Roger had this... Uh, uh, he's starting to flog horses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I like the look of this bloke. Big jet black, little top front, turn in front legs. And I went, this all right? Yeah, bloody good. Comes out, Rambic. We'll call it a heavy ten today. Twenty-five to one. Shit's in. Yeah, Larry Cassidy on board. Larry Cassidy still riding for me up there with Muncie. That's another story too. Mm, mm. That was on the Kenzo track. Uh, uh, they call it Kenzo then, mate. Uh, not sure. Uh, but no, course proper, mate. Was sure. it? Course yeah. proper, yeah. Saturday meeting, course proper. Well, he only had two runs uh, as an autumn two-year-old, but one of them was the Champagne Stakes, and he ran a very good third. Yep. We thought we had a horse then, mate. Don't you worry about that. And obviously trying to find a, a, a colt, you know, is very hard work, as we all know, and still is probably harder today than ever mm. with all the progeny around. But uh, – 
yeah, we sort of we can get keeping get keeping going, getting through it without having to geld him. And uh, everybody wanted to geld him except Roger and me. And uh, Roger could handle a tough horse, and he could handle spirited horses, etc. That old Kiwi thing come out and loud and clear. And uh, consequently, he made it all the way through, Johnny, and uh, thank God he did. Oh yeah, gee, he was a good horse. He had six starts as a spring three-year-old in 2004. He was unplaced in the San Domenico, unplaced in the Golden Rose. Then he ran second in the Gloaming and then he won the Group 1 Spring Champion Stakes with your little mate on board, Chris Munts. That's it. That's it. And still my great mate and got a lot of horses together today and he's doing a very good job as a trainer. Can't, can't, couldn't recommend him enough up there in Queensland. Savabile became the fourth three-year-old to win the WS Cox Plate, and he beat horses like Fields of Omar, Starcraft, Grand Army, very, very good horses. He won clearly, I think about a length on the line, and uh, Mooney Valley on Cox Plate Day is a real amphitheatre, Max. The, the atmosphere is indescribable. Absolutely, John. I've never, you know, in my sporting experiences and what I'd been and seen, I saw the Ali Fraser fight in the Philippines, the thriller in Manila, that was at the top of my sporting, so it's the bucket list, I guess, the terminology this day, these days. But to win the win the Cox Plate, mate, in that environment, in that amphitheatre, was just something, something else. Mm. You got well, a lot of emotions. You got a different moment. You, you can actually shut your mind, recall the sound and the atmosphere, mate. I've never been. I've I've been in some big auditoriums and seen some big events, but like to be. <laughs> principle of it, so to speak, something else, mate. Mm. That roar when they jump in the cox plate sends tingles up your spine, doesn't it? No doubt about it, mate. No doubt about it. It's quite a part of the, the you know, it is just something else, something else. Well, Savabile ran a very good race in the Victoria Derby. You ran into a good staying cult from the West called Plastered. Never uh, raced again. No, it's true. Never raced again. Trained by Lindsay Smith. Yeah. And uh, whatever went on in the barriers, there was, there was a strong indication that this the horse is going to come down the outside and uh, that's what happened. But Muncie said, well, that doesn't make any difference to me. I'm still going to win it. And we just got no beaten by a nose. Yeah. Chris was pretty confident, was he, going into very, the derby? Very confident, mate. Very confident. Yeah. And it was a funny week because between the Cox Plate and the, the derby, Roggie was pushing the horse, pushing him out. Cameras everywhere, interviews, interview. We were, we were red hot favourite for it, mm. and uh, it might have taken a toll. But at the end of the day, horse did his job, and uh, you know what can what can you say? Ran second. Well, his next preparation, he had only four runs. He ran second in the Oar Stakes, and then there were three unplaced runs. Max, he'd definitely gone off the boil, and after that, the decision was made to retire him. So you said to yourself, well, what have I got here? I've got a son of Zabil. He's won two group ones. He's been placed in another two. I better stay in him. So Correct. you were you needed no prompting to stay in him when he went to the stud in New Zealand. Correct. I, I watched with great interest because um, Sir Patrick Hogan was a great mate and still is a great mate, not in very good health at the moment, wishing well. Uh, Patrick uh, had Zabil, of course, the father, the sire. And I was waiting to see if he'd buy him. And uh, Waikato got underneath him and they bought him. 
and uh, I've subsequently had a really great, strong relationship with them for the last 20-odd years. Mm. At Waikato, started where Savaville stands at $125,000. I think he's had about 100 stakes winners and something like 18 Group 1 winners, uh, the best of them, Nicoletta, Shillelagh, Savvy Koo, that very good mare, Lucia Valentina, and uh, the good filly that won the Queensland Oaks, Max, you're still in her, Scarlet Lady. She's now at Correct. stud. She's now at stud, yep. She's uh, served me well. as That was uh, James McDonald's first Group 1, and he subsequently had his first two or three Group 1 winners with me, James McDonald. Beautiful young man. Same sort of lines as they are these days, these jockeys, the, you know, the uh, Huey Bowman, they're polite, they're respectful, they're not over the top got good good uh, lifestyles about them and I'm you know I'm very, very proud of James but that's another story as well but Scarlet Lady yeah a lot of fun very successful uh, she's been good at stud she's dry this year she missed um, sorry dry last year she's in foal this year uh, that's at Kitchman Hills in New South Wales e Consul was a bit of a surprise packet another one you were in Graham Rogerson was the trainer. Uppy Bob's to win a Caulfield Guineas, one of your highlights. Wouldn't believe it the same year, Johnny. Unbelievable. You know, when, when it's all happening, it's all happening, and when it's not happening, it's not happening in life generally, I guess. So, yeah, we had the, the uh, Caulfield Guineas winner the same year. E Consul was a very interesting horse. I thought, hello, we're on the same direction because, of, as you're well aware and your listeners are aware, that that can make a stallion, that race, and... Uh, but he turned out to be an absolute pig of a horse. And uh, I think there was about, he said about four or five homes. I think he's passed now, but no one could handle him. And you get guys like the Hayes camp can't handle him and things like people, good groups like that. And they went, this guy, what's the secret to him? And of course, I had, didn't have the key. And Rogie sort of had the key, but um, he didn't go on to anything like Savaville. Your part owned a horse called Honour in War who won a Villiers Stakes on protest. And you were a little bit embarrassed on the day because he took the race off a horse called Takeover Target and the, the natives were restless. The crowd was angry. Joey, Denny, and I, we sort of brush each other a couple of times a year around Grafton and Coffs and uh, we still have a bit of a giggle about it at the end <laughs> of the day. I was overseas on business and I was with Jen and... Uh, or middle of the night, listening to bloody 2K Whale or something, and trying to pick up the race. And, and a mate of mine, Ray McDowell, who was, who was still the owners, president of the owners association, Remy, said, mate, I'm glad you're not here. They're going to pull the grandstand down. It's like the old days. <laughs> That's right. I said, what's going on? He said, mate, you're going, to, you're going to win this. You're going to win this on a protest. I said, oh, you're kidding, aren't you? Because I didn't have that feel for it over in London, right? Anyway, <laughs> next thing, the Waller rings me. Jesus, we're in trouble here. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, up we go, Bucks the Rider, as they say. I got the money. So, happy days. Huey wrote it. A touch of Ruby, Max, a nice mare. She won four from 16, and she won a wonderful race uh, in New Zealand. In fact, it was on last weekend. The group won Thorndon Mile at Trentham. Trained by Stephen Ortridge. Uh, funny story, that horse with uh, another horse called Pin Oak that got beaten by a nose in the crack of millions, which was run yesterday. 
uh, you know, uh, I was saddle bills weren't selling very well. And I walked back down to a mate of mine, Brett Taylor of Trawney, and his wife Sherry. And I said, What do you got left? What's been handed in? He went, oh, I got this sauce and this sauce. I said, I'll take them both. She said, Well, you don't know the price. I said, Oh, they won't be much. Because he <laughs> said, Because I, you didn't sell them. So I picked them both up at about 100000 between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And my two great mates to this day, Kenny Autry, Stephen Autry, and Keith Horton had a lot to do with Savabeel and Rogie's organisations in Australia and Kiwi. Um, I said, have one of these each, work it out when they're good mates. I said, work it out which one you want. So that was how that turned out. About six weeks later, Keith said, that the horse has got a different market. I said, I don't know they even know their markets, mate. They swapped that they had the wrong horses. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> Keith Horton ended up getting silk pins and just got nutted in the Karagamians and Stevie gets a group one. So that little group, those two horses, a group one winner, great group one place. So what can I say? But touch a ruby, funny story. I was in the Waikato uh, marquee, Peter Moody, uh, Gary Chittick, 165 kilos, Peter Moody, 135 kilos, Max Whippy, 135 kilos, had timber floors, and we're watching the race together with another 50 people, I suppose, and the, I'm jumping up and down and Gary Chittick's run second to me with a horse called Costume. Moody's jumping around. The whole floor started like almost like a set of TV wrestlers bouncing off the <laughs> off the off the deck, and it was just hilarious. And I won that, and then Costume consequently came out and won two Group Ones after that. But yes, uh, touch of Ruby, great story. Now, what became of Way Up in the Sky? Uh, winner of three from seven and won a very nice race uh, during the spring at Flemington. Yes, mate, I'm very excited. I'm uh, uh, Snowden trained. Uh, both father and son have got a big rap on the horse. Uh, back in work now. Had a setback travelling back from Melbourne to Sydney. Was going out for a spell. Flipped in the, in the transporter. Lacerations, but no serious injury. Consequently, we've had a really good break. We're back in work, and Peter's just the other day's very confident that we got the horse back and should be in for a very exciting time, way up there in the sky. Yeah, look, very impressive winning the listed race last spring. You know, just all my horse names, uh, Johnny's interesting, because the my that I referred to before, my long-suffering PA, mm-hmm. she names all my horses, basically. She always comes up with these great names. So Daryl Braithwaite. Way up there in the sky, little darling. <laughs> Consequently, that's how we got that name. <laughs> your PA, your right arm, to be more accurate. My inner ear, yeah. Angela Barbado. I knew her parents <laughs> so well years and years ago. Max, Joe and Junette Barbado from Armadale in the New England. Joe was a former president of the Armadale Jockey Club and I had the great honour to be guest caller at the Armadale Cup for many years, 16 or 17 years on the trot from memory. So well, I would have met Angela when she was a little girl. Well, I think uh, they've done, as parents, they would be very proud. They've got three daughters and a son, all very successful girls, uh, and, and sons done very well in life. Uh, lovely people, typical country, soul of the earth. I think anyone who comes out of racing, and it's contributed to racing under the in leadership, usually of my kind of people, and they definitely are. Yeah, my jolly word. And if they happen to catch the podcast, I'd like to extend my fondest regards to Joe and Junette Barbato 
in Armadale. Good on you, mate. I'll make sure Ange pushes that on, mate. Max, just before we leave Rogie, as they call him affectionately, Graham Rogerson, who spent a lot of time in Australia, he's now back in New Zealand for keeps, training thoroughbreds and standard breads. Not everybody got on with Rogie, but you did. Yeah, I guess coming out of King's Cross after 100 years, mate, you can sort of get on with everybody or, you know, you draw you, you draw pretty quick opinions, I suppose. That's just an Aussie way of doing things. I found Graham very, very uh, early I could see he was a good horseman, if not frightened, involved. And I love a Kiwi, you know. I love a Kiwi. I don't think I can't. I'm not a knocker of Kiwis ever and uh, well, not, not people very much either, but that's beside the point too. But Graham was a very polarising guy. He came with a big, big reputation out of New Zealand. He knew where he wanted to go and he was going to try and turn Sydney on his head. And regardless, when you do that, Training ranks, a lot of animosities, a lot of bad blood, a lot of pushing and shoving. It's competitive business, still is to this day, obviously trying to get horses and find owners and find good owners and find people that pay. Um, Rogie would let every walk of life on. He could handle any individual, e.g. payments, hmm. doing deals. So I found him a survivor and I like survivors and, um, you know, of my favourite story with Graham is that uh, he buried his dad there a few years ago and from the pulpit, probably 150 people at the funeral and they're back in New Zealand, obviously, and mm. he goes, uh, before I finish, before I finish, said, Mate, make sure you have you people up there uh, fill those books in and uh, if you haven't put your telephone numbers or your email addresses because I'm sure you're going to buy a couple of horses out of this turnout today. <laughs> well, the whole, the whole joint erupted. <laughs> yeah, what a salesman. Well, the salesman, mate. Never mm-hmm. miss an opportunity, G.A. Rogerson. So I like Graham, but, you know, we've had plenty of dust-ups and he's, he's a, you know, shoves it down your throat and, you know, whatever. But he's a dear friend, dear friend. The catalogue for the 2020 Classic Yearling Sale is now available. In total, 808 yearlings have been catalogued over three days, 613 in Book 1, 195 in the highway session. Book one will take place on Sunday, February the 9th, Monday the 10th, and the morning of the 11th, with the highway session beginning as soon as book one is completed. The classic sale has produced eight group one winners since 2018, including four group one winning two-year-olds or three-year-olds in Sydney and Melbourne. Of the 808 lots catalogued, 734 are Bob's eligible. To request a catalogue, email catalogue at inglis.com.au or call 9399-7999. Catalogues are also available for the Inglis Premier Sale in Melbourne, March the 1st to March the 3rd. The 2020 Inglis Yearling Sale Round is about to begin. You've been to dizzy heights in the business world, but you've also experienced some major setbacks. None more damaging than the stock market crash of 1987, which put you on the canvas. Our like yesterday's washing Johnny for about four days, and uh, I, uh, I, I uh, had to get rid of my horses. It cost me my home, family home. I only did that through honour. 
I don't want to sound like a big shot, but the thing is I could have walked and done like a lot of other people after that major stock market crash of 87. Just duck and weave and tell a few lies and get away with it. But the fact is I took it on the chin. My beautiful wife, late wife Jennifer, she always gave me all the encouragement in life and in business, and she said, mate, I could live in a caravan. I said, well, yeah. don't, 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 don't wish for what might happen. <laughs> yeah, that's all you needed to hear, though, wasn't it? That's all, mate. And we got through it. Mm. And anyway, it turned it around pretty quick. And and then um, we went back to Kenny and got another horse with Kenny. And uh, that's how it all sort of punched out of the corner. But I had a few months out of the markets, went back to the cross. Yeah. Uh, and bu- built another place called the Sydney Aussie Rural Social Club, which was adjacent to the Bourbon. And that was an interesting experience, too. And uh, we brought the Sydney Swans to Sydney, or we were part of that, bringing them up to Sydney. And that was an interesting time. I, had about, I think it was about three months out of the markets, and I got approached by uh, Bain and Company, which is ultimately Deutsche Bank. There you go. Max, you, lot, you lost Jen only 18 months ago. Yeah, that's right. 46 years of marriage. You met her at Harpoon Harry's when you were 21 years of age, and she that's became good. your wife soon after that. She understood you better than anybody on the planet. Well, it's pretty good when you've got a girl and you come home and your, your dinner suit's ripped off and your ears hanging off and your nose is broken and your blood all over your dinner shirt. And <laughs> <laughs> she just said, oh, how was work? I said, oh, not bad, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Goodness me. Just another day, mate. Yeah, she was a great lady and uh, miss her dearly and uh, got two beautiful daughters and subsequently got beautiful grandsons. So, yes, it's uh, that's life and passed on and uh, we're pretty rough there for a minute, but we've got on with our lives, mate. All of your racing life, you wanted to win the Grafton Cup and it took you until 2018 when Chris Munch prepared first crush to win that famous cup race on the Northern Rivers. Jen knew how much it meant to you, but she was too ill to be there at the time. That's right. Unbelievable. 34 years or something, we were trying to get there and win it and race in it and three bags full and... uh it was ironic because Noel Brax, my great mate, my lawyer mate, he was a Northern Rivers boy as well, as Muncie's a Northern Rivers fellow, as you know. Mm. Lismore Casino, Bangalore, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Noel died, and he died, and Ellen, his beautiful wife, uh, she buried Noel on Grafton Cup Day. Mm. Can you believe that? Because Noel was a great uh, Grafton Cup attendee with me over all many, many, we travelled up many years, and et cetera, et cetera. It was infamous. Brax and Whitby at the Grafton Carnival were morning. Everybody, I walked up Ellen, and it was a very, a very high-spirited funeral. And it was over at uh, uh, Hunters Hill somewhere. Mm. I walked up to Ellen to give her a hug and talk. I said, "Ellen, can you believe it?" She said, "How do I bugger that up, Max? Grafton Cup back. What would Noel said? I said he'd be very cranky with Ellen." Yeah, goodness <laughs> me. So we got the favourite in it. So Angie's with me. And she said, well, "He's Catholic." Uh, funerals can go on for a bit. I said, well, we'll sit up the back because I've got to go and watch the race because I've got to get to the hospital to see Jen. She was in the hospice at the time. Mm. So we got out. Of the, it went pretty well. It was a lot of fun and people, you know, you know, Max's and they said something from the pulpit and talked about the great racing mate of Noel. Yeah, I don't, I don't, anyway, we took off. And we, I said, let's find a pub over here somewhere and we'll go and watch the race. We walked into a pub and they didn't have a tab. I went, well, that's the only pub I've ever been that's never had a tab. So she said, if we gun it, we'll get over to Double Bay because Jen was at Wallara. We'll hit the, the old Oak Hotel, which is one of my pubs and racing pubs. So we got there, raced in, but 
Racing wasn't on. He screamed at the start. They turned the TV on, got a schooner. Anne's got a glass of wine. I had two runners in it. Mm. Had Montauk in it as well. Chris Waller trained. Yeah. Bugger me. We're sitting there and we're roaring. I'm thinking, I'm going to get the Cronulla here. I'm going to get Cronulla here. She gets over the line. Victory. Unbelievable. And ran fourth, the other bloke. I school it up we go, up we go, up the road, round the corner, see poor old Jen. Ann's hadn't had no chance to say goodbye to her. Mm. So we went in, she was there on the side of the bed and she just said, how'd you go? And I went, won the pass. And she went, it's about bloody time, she said. <laughs> Did she? <laughs> yes, oh it was a wonderful, uh, it was, and she died the Sunday after. Yeah. Max, you've been racing a pretty handy mare called Jen's Rule just lately. She's won a couple of Metropolitan races, including one at Randwick, obviously named in honour of your late wife, and uh, I can only assume that uh, Jen ran a very tight ship at your place. She did. Yeah, she ran a – she gave me uh, – I was a free-running cult, you'd say, mate. I was uh, – she gave me my head, but she said, put the hack of more on me every now and again. If it's off mouth, he's just pulling up every now and again, which they do. And uh, But she was a great supporter and was right behind me, and uh, it wasn't hard to uh, – she was alive when I named the horse. Mm. Taken a while to break through, and uh, we have broken through. And uh, Pete and uh, Pete's got a lot of time for the horse, and I think she'll go and get some good things next prep. You mentioned your two girls, Kate and Alicia. Correct. Do they share your interest in racing? Well, not to the same level. I've seen other other families have progeny. Their progeny show more interest in it, but not being girls, and you know, they had other things in their life, like boys and husbands, and careers and things like that. They love a day of the races. Don't worry about that. But, you know, thank God they're not punters. And that's my that's my next big challenge, keep my grandsons away from the, the bookies. <laughs> I, want them to, I want them to have obviously fight it and there's a, they're going to be handed a lot of horses, a lot of progeny, and hopefully uh, they'll continue that. I've got a son, Moore's very interested. We haven't touched on your love of a punt. Now, you're not a form analyst. You don't pour for hours over the form uh, each and every week, uh, but you you bet late, you like to wait until the last minute, and you bet big. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Punnings are probably an extension of what I do for a living, trading, you know, looking for opportunities. I bet too big. I bet too often. I know the pitfalls. I love it. I've never got myself into strife. I can manage what I can lose. I can manage what I win. Uh, it's probably the great weakness in my makeup, the punt. It's probably a great weakness from an industry point of view, but it's essential for the industry. Taxes, turnover, etc. I always say publicly and under my breath, if I never had a bet, I'd probably be a happier man. But at the end of the day, I love the thrill, I love the spills, I can handle the knocks, and I love the winning. So it sort of just makes – that's my makeup, Johnny, but it is a big, big part. We get too big sometimes. I have to check myself. But we do what we do and have a lot of fun doing it. That Grafton Cup win with first crush was one of your greatest ever thrills but it would pale into insignificance if you could happen to be one of the slot holders of this year's Everest winner. 
Now, your dream goes beyond just winning the Everest, Max. You want to win it with the horse you've bred. That would be that'd be cherry on the top, mate. No doubt about it. The ultimate thrill. Ultimate thrill. In current racing, this is the most interesting, dynamic concept. And, again, you have to tip your cap to Peter Valandis and Racing New South Wales, an outstanding initiative. As I said, plenty of knockers early. It's come home like a with a wet sail, mate. Great concept. Prize money started at 13. It'll be 20 within a couple of years, I'm sure. Great concept and, uh, you know, it's captured the attention of racing around the world, not just in Australia. Been a delight to, to talk, Max. Thank you so much for your time and we're recording this on Australia Day and you're off to a luncheon at the famous Noah's Restaurant. Have a terrific day. Thank you, Johnny. Happy Australia Day to you. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis.